I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Just a note to say this podcast episode contains major spoilers and some challenging themes. And we're live. Did I make you nervous, Corky? I'm a homosexual! I'm a homosexual. I have loved you the way they said! You fancy gears? I'm having a proper full-on gay crisis. Hello and welcome to Gay Actually. Thanks for being here, it's gonna be a fun old gay time. Pitch Perfect is a lesbian musical film. (laughs) Of course, of course. I want to carry off badass lesbian chic like Kate Blanchett can. (laughs) Welcome! (laughs) Hello! And welcome to Gay Actually, a series as part of the UK Film View podcast where we discuss all of the queer things that are happening in cinema at the moment, in the past, present and future. Welcome, happy 2023. I mean, by the time you're listening to this, we're halfway through the first month already, but welcome, welcome. Um, Happy New Year. Can we still say that? Oh yeah, we can. This is the first episode of the year, so we can say Happy New Year. We can say Happy New Year. Happy New Queer. Oh, I was literally, I was about to say it. You beat me to it. it. Sorry. It's fine. You can have it. Mm. You're welcome. Um, It's a new year, new us for this podcast. You may notice we have a new icon picture. Is that what it's called? Am I a grandma? I don't know. But we've already established that we're really bad at tech. So icon picture, profile picture. We've got a new picture. We have a new intro. We have a whole new set of themes to discuss. Um, My name is Amber, and as always, I'm joined by the lovely Joyce. Hi. How are you, bestie? Hi. Um, I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing great. 
How was your Christmas? Was it as gay as you hoped it would be? Uh, well, I was at home in Belgium with my family, so it wasn't very Lovely. gay. But um, my New Year's was super gay. I went to Dalston Superstore. Yes! <laughs> oh my god. That's very exciting. Mm. I've not been there yet. Can you take me? Oh my god, let's go together. It's amazing. Please, I would love nothing more yes. than to go somewhere gay with you that's not just in our own company. <laughs> yes. A, a gay place. A gay place. That's <laughs> manifest for 2023. Oh boy. Yeah. How are your holidays? Holidays. Holly- what do you mean? Queen. <laughs> Her. <laughs> um sorry i don't know what i'm on today holidays were good um very um very busy but very nice um got to spend lots of time with fam and yeah very nice very lovely me being like oh god doing lesbon before christmas was interesting and also like i don't know if you've i don't know if you have friends that listen to the podcast but I've had a lot of personal feedback from people being like wow this film sounds horrendous (laughs) Merry Christmas Mm -hmm. um so that was a great time I feel like I don't know if we were we're retiring the what's something gay you've done this week segment we can yeah bye (laughs) wow it was very dear to our hearts as you can tell (laughs) Have you seen any gay films or gay shows recently, irrespective of the one we're going to be talking about today? Like, no. I was trying to think about it. Um, yeah. But no, I haven't. Nothing new, at least. Rip. Rip. There hasn't really been much that's come out. No. I think. Um, I still haven't seen the Jim Parsons film. Me spoiler either. alert. Um, I need to get on that, but it's Christmassy, so I feel like <laughs> next year. I feel like I can't really go back. Yeah, maybe next year. Um, but yeah, not not too much. So for this episode, um, Joyce and I are going to be talking about a crazy film <laughs> with a queer lead character. Um, Todd Field's Tar, which came out in England, it came out on Friday the 13th. Interesting day, it unlucky is. for some, not for Kate Blanchett, though. Ah. Oscar nominated queen, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So, we're talking about Tar today, uh, jumping on that gay lesbian bandwagon. So, let's dive in, let's Do dive you- in. Before I give a little summary, Joyce, um, do you have any guttural reactions to have obviously watching this film today? Oh yeah, so maybe we should we should say that we both went to the cinema today to watch yes, Tar. Yes. Yeah, and we are recording remotely, but nonetheless, we both saw it today for the first time on yep, the big screen. Yep. Um, so this is really like our first reaction to it. Um, like our initial thoughts very um, raw very discombobulated I I was walking home from the cinema and I was like how <laughs> we're recording in like two hours how I know um, and it does a lot there's a lot to unpack the film is two hours and 40 minutes it's long it's really isn't it long. like and I don't think do you think it felt as long as two hours, 40 minutes? Um, I think for me, there was a point like towards the middle of the film, maybe like an hour and 30 minutes in, where I felt like it was going to end soon. 
Like, I don't know what it was. It okay. was just like this feeling yeah. I had that obviously it didn't because there was still like at least an hour yeah, left. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's not too long in the sense of that everything has its place and I feel like mm. it's not um, dragged out just for the sake of it. Like, it's fair no, that I it's agree. that long. But it did I feel agree, yeah. quite hefty. I will say that. I think, yeah, I agree because when I came out of that screening... I felt so spaced out. I felt like I wasn't on this planet anymore. And I feel like that's a good, that's a marker of a good psychological film, not not least. Um, But I think you're so, I mean, we can go on to talk about this more, but you're so consumed in the content of the film that it doesn't, it doesn't feel that long. You you just, you keep carrying on. Um, Yeah, it's mad. I also, I had to go to the bathroom halfway through, which I hate doing. Did you? Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't just me, but I missed. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll say which bit in a minute. Um, fair warning to audio listeners. Um, sorry, Rachel, I've stolen your tag phrase, uh, Rachel from the scream test. Um, but yeah, uh, I lost my train of thought. Something. Oh yeah. The, oh, I was gonna say the. <laughs> This episode will be containing spoilers of the film Tar, so if you haven't seen it and you want to see it, I would advise going to see it before you listen to this, sooner rather than later, please. Um, and then let us know what you think. Give us a cheeky review or rating, or just tell us, man, no. <laughs> Reach out. Reach out somehow. Just tell but us. Yes, there will be some spoilers, so just fair warning. But yeah, I went, I went to the bathroom at a really crucial moment. <gasps> And then I came, well, I was, because tr- I was like, it needs to happen. I would try to find, you know, when you try and find a lull in the film, but there's no lull in Tar. Yeah. <laughs> I came back. I was literally, got. I was so quick. And I came back and I was like, oh God. <laughs> oh, what did you miss? What did you miss? Um, so it was the scene where um, she's quote unquote attacked. So I haven't seen that bit, but... I had to look it up afterwards just and I was like oh you know so you thought she was we'll really attacked about... yes oh, wow and I thought and I thought I might cut this out and put this in later in the episode but I thought why have they done that it seems really random are they trying to portray her as vulnerable or are they really trying to amp up that people don't like her but then i was when the credits were rolling i wikied it on wikipedia had a look and she was lying and that changed my whole frame of reference for the film but it was fine like it didn't impact my viewing or anything but it really made me think is she reliable because if she's lied about that, what else has she lied about? You know? Mm. That was interesting. Yep. Um, so maybe you can fill me in on the part that I missed. It's the scene where she's talking with this man, old, white, like white hair and everything. I don't remember what his name is. In a restaurant after, I think this is... Like, oh, that's her te- her old teacher. Oh, yeah, maybe, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's news of the scandal but it's not really broken out yet and I think she says something because when I came back from the toilet she basically said you're comparing Hitler or like someone that was like a Hitler a Nazi Mm. to something sexual does she admit to having sex with the girl no 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 she never admits it as 
it's only implied. Okay. So let me see if it's on the summary at all. Because that's what I was wondering if she. But I think it. I think he talks about like previous allegations from other maestros and conductors and stuff. Oh, okay. uh, but to be honest, I think you picked the perfect time because <laughs> I just I just um yeah I can't I can't exactly remember because there's a couple of scenes of them at lunch, isn't there? Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway, I'll do a summary of the film. Um, and then we'll go back and kind of talk about it in context. So Kate Blanchett, the queen, the maestro in our lives, um, play- sorry, squeezing. She plays a 49 year old celebrity um, conductor maestro, Lydia Tarr. She is a trained pianist. She is an award winning composer. She is the first female chief conductor of the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra. And it, it from the start of the film, you're very aware that she's very famous, she's very highly regarded, she's very successful. Um, <clears throat> she's married to a woman, Sharon, played by Nina, Nina Hoss, um, who is her wife and um, the first violinist, uh, concertmaster as well. Um, and... I mean, jump in if I <laughs> miss anything, Joyce. But basically, she, the film is very Citizen Kane in that it is her slow and gradual demise um, from being very, very sex, success, <laughs> from being a very, very successful composer to basically being cancelled. The film is very much a commentary on cancel culture and identity. Uh, Lydia questions her identity um, and seeks the need for validation on her identity a lot throughout the film. Um, and there's lots of moments when she's working with the orchestra where you think you you think you can understand this character, but you actually don't know her at all. And that's very it's very interesting and psychological and complex and I just don't know how else to explain this film other than that you have to see it and then just be mind blown with both of us because I don't know what how do you feel about it Joyce? Yeah, no, I I don't know how to describe it at all. Like I tried earlier with my flatmate and I was yeah. like, "Uh, what Kim Blanchett is in it? Um, <laughs> she's a conductor. Yeah. There's an orchestra." <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But yeah, I think your summary was really apt. Bless you. I think for Kate Blanchett, she, I know that the writer and director Todd Field wrote Tar with her in mind. So, and he says quite clearly, she is the only person that could bring life into this complicated character. Wow. And I feel, I feel like that's fair because I don't know if I can imagine anyone else in that role. It's so complex. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that was an incredible performance, honestly. Mm. And we already know she's a really good actress, but wow, I was really blown away. We can also note with pride that once again, Kate Blanchett is playing a lesbian. What's better? What's better than that? Amen. Yeah. Honestly, wow. Yeah, because you know what? When Tar was announced, or like when the first things came up about it, I thought 
it was going to be a story about a closeted lesbian. Okay. And I thought that kiss that was improvised, that that was going to be some like super secret. Oh my God, what? No, it's her wife. She's not a closeted lesbian. She's like a fully no. open, comfortable with her sexuality. It, it, there's no big deal about it. Mm-hmm. She's married to Sharon. They share, I don't know if they, they share custody of a child, uh, Petra. Um, they're a family. Yeah. Like, I love that she describes herself as Petra's father. I, that was so funny. It <laughs> was incredible. I was like, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, content of the film aside, Kate Blanchett's performance is unparalleled. I have never seen a character, a queer character, so complex and so psychologically conflicted as... Lydia Tarr, which is really interesting because it's not really a gay film. Mm. Like, fundamentally, it's about her craft. It's about her incredible career and how that's in jeopardy because of these allegations. That's what I missed out in the summary, is that there are allegations of her misconduct, physical, sexual, um, and it's really a story about that. Mm -hmm. That's so true, though. Um... Yeah. Should we start talking about our thoughts, our reactions? I wrote some notes on the way home, like in two degrees, like on my phone tapping away, frozen fingers. That was smart. I did not. I felt like I I was going to do that, but then I was like, I think I just need to marinate on this for a second because I can't make sense of it. And I messaged Holly, who's part of the Queer Girl Film Club podcast. Shout out to you guys. But I literally was like, because they're doing an episode which is coming out on Tuesday of this week. And I was like, how? How do I speak about this? And she was like, that's exactly how I felt. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm excited to listen to theirs. Um, But I literally was like, blah. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Anyway, what did you write down? Oh, I, it's all over the place. My first note, because it's the first thing I thought about, and also, wow, is fits, two exclamation marks. Hot, yes! two exclamation marks. Cinched suit pants and shirts and oversized blazers and platforms. Please, I want her entire wardrobe because I want to carry off badass lesbian chic like Kate Blanchett can as Lydia Tarr. Yeah. Those suits so fitted so chic I want them all and I just feel like I feel like that is such a good way as well of setting up her at the start of the film she looks very suave very put together she's a powerhouse with her big huge coat and her tailored suit like she has so expertly crafted her own image and props to the costume department like damn she is looking she honestly you can't not look at her even if there's other actors in the frame yeah she's powerful oh wow i know um there was one particular scene i remember really loving uh the suit she was wearing um it was her birthday suit (laughs) i was so surprised (laughs) what you mean was she I was like okay these people know that lesbians are gonna flock to the cinema because it's Kate Blanchett and then yeah. you give us that. And we're supposed to be I was really behave. surprised. Yeah, because I was kind of like, I like that they're like, usually, because obviously it's, ri- it's written direct- directed by a man. 
I'm very, I'm always, I always go in with my expectations low with queer women being depicted on screen because, you know, a lot of the time they don't get it right. (laughs) But there were moments where I was like, this is very self-aware. Like when she turns up and, you know, there's a scene of her naked. And also when she's, she's asking her students because she's doing a class at Juilliard. Beethoven, do you remember him? Me as a U-Haul lesbian. She says something about not being bothered about Beethoven. And I was like, I had let a little chuckle. I was like, U-Haul lesbian, that is a phrase that I have not heard in a film for quite a long time. I and know. I was like, let's bring it back. Oh, um, that was so great. I, I, I was, yeah. Yeah, I chuckled a few times in this film. And like, no too. one else in the cinema was laughing. I was like, are y'all watching the same movie? No, I think it was the set time of day that I went because I was... It, there were a lot of old people in my screening and I feel like if I had been in the room with more gay people our age reacting around me I think that would have changed the whole vibe but it was a very quiet screening which I love because I feel like people have started talking in cinemas for sure (laughs) since the pandemic more and I'm like shush (laughs) Um, <laughs> I was like, don't distract me from Kate. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, yes. Um, yeah, very interesting times. Um, I think, what did you think about the beginning scene? Because I feel like there were quite a lot of long takes of her face. The beginning scene? When she's being, yeah, when she's being interviewed. Oh, there were, And yeah. she's being, she's being very, she sat very carefully Everything that she's doing and saying feels very crafted and very deliberate. You get the sense that she is very confident in her own image because she's created it herself, as we come to learn. Yeah. Um, What did you think of that? Well, I wrote this general note about that kind of like um, persona that she presents to the world. Because near the end of the film, we see her go back to her childhood home. And we meet presumably her brother or like her stepfather. I think it's her brother. Yeah, it's her brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And you you get like an insight in the background she comes from, kind of where she grew up. And then seeing in that beginning scene, the interviewer basically gives her whole like resume, like her portfolio, everything she's done, which is incredible achievements. And so many Mm. of them, it's, it's actually crazy. And then you think, oh, she yeah. comes from this place, not necessarily poor, but definitely no, very but... normal, not the biggest house. And she... yeah, I think it's been described uh, on like online and in um, interviews and stuff as like she comes from working class roots. Yes, yeah. and she's had to work very, very hard as a woman and a queer woman to get where she is. So it's very successful. Yeah. So she, I mean, her whole life basically from when she decided to kind of move towards that is her crafting her image from from scratch basically and not having those that environment around you growing up and then having to find Mm -hmm. a way into that I think that's why she presents herself always so um what's the word what's the word like refined (laughs) yeah refined and like very carefully and planned out um Mm -hmm. same thing with the suits we get the suit fitting afterwards Yes. Um, so she's very aware of what she wants her image to be, exactly. which I think, like, that's a theme that runs throughout the film, as we've mentioned, the importance of identity and the self, like who she is and who she feels she is, versus how 
other people see her. Um, and I think like she is very powerful and passionate, but she's also very abrasive in the way that she wants to control her image. And she's, you get little sprinkles throughout the film that like, she is a bully, like, because she's the head of this orchestra. She is the maestro. First of all, loved characters calling her maestro <gasps> throughout the film. I was like, please. Oh my God, oh my God I wish that was me. Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you do get the sense that like she's not nice to people. Like she's she's very tactical in her decisions and you see that with her assistant Francesca um who shout out <laughs> portrait of a lady on fire uh, yeah and when she came on screen i was like oh my god no i mean i know cuz i know cuz i was i was like i was looking at her in the scene and i was like those two they look very very good together like at the start you get the dynamic between lydia and francesca and you're like this is a maestro and her assistant love 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 it and i was watching them the, the scene of them in the car and i was like it's her these two queens who have played lesbians on film interacting with each other in a film and kate blanchett's wearing her like black cap and i was like stop yeah a lot of very intimate scenes there's, yes. there's so much left unsaid in this film as well like things that are implied mm. or you just don't know like yeah. does Francesca have it's... a desire for Lydia like I felt that sometimes that there was something there okay but is that yeah. is that professionally because Lydia is this really mm. um you know renowned conductor and Francesca wants to be one as well or yeah. is it more like there's so many things Definitely. I think you really get the sense that um, Lydia and her, the people around her, are tearing each other down to get to the top, which I think is like an interesting comment on that. I don't really know anything about the music industry, but definitely in the entertainment industry, like tearing each other down and tearing a woman down, no less, to try and get to the top. I thought that was interesting. But then also as well, with the whole... Francesca thing you can't really tell what people's motivations are and you can't even tell what I mean you can assume what Lydia's motivations are to continue to be the best blah 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 but I like that the film doesn't give us too much I like that the film doesn't tell the viewer what to think I think that's a really good marker of a well made film but yeah, I think I think as well that make, that gives me anxiety because it's like, well, you need to make up your own mind, and I'm like, but what do I think? Do I like her? Do I not like? I like Kate Blanchett, but do I like? Is Lydia a good person? Is she a reliable protagonist? Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, she's a she's a problematic figure in a lot of ways, yeah. uh, but in very specifically her ways. But yeah. I feel like it really shows that depth of like human fault in a very complex world. Like the world we live in right now is so complex to navigate. Mm. And especially when you have some fame, right? We see it all the time, but it's very human. And I feel like it also kind of comments on this idea. I think this is very new in like psychology of people thinking they're better than everyone else by canceling them. 
Like, oh, yes. you did this, you're cancelled, as if they have never done anything. It's very yeah. common now because you kind of have that separation through social media. Um, and I feel like this film really points to that because we see her and we're in the cinema, like in the cinema, let's say at home, wherever you watch this film, and you really get to go on that journey with this complexity but you're not removed from it like with social media and celebrities and whatever and that's why I feel like it's hard to tell if we like her or we don't because she's very human she has a lot of characteristics that are just not likable but she's very human yeah and I think that's really well done in this like you said it's, it's like mostly a psychological film and I think it really does that part very well yeah, I, th- I think I agree completely. And I think as well, the way that the film looks really plays into that as well. So, I mean, there's no there's no secret that Lydia has a sensitivity to sound. Like there's constantly sounds in the background all the time, plaguing her, as it were. And those shots were... It's mostly I've never seen a shot like this on film that isn't like a really deeply horror for like horror film, but the scenes where it's mostly darkness and you can just see her silhouette moving through the apartment. I was transfixed. I thought the camera work was so good at the start of the film. I thought, has this been filmed on film? Like, like what kind of color grading is this? <laughs> like, I just thought it was beautiful and um those scenes where there's just noise and it's so atmospheric and she's trying to like, she's like wading her way through the darkness. Yeah. That was, and like think, and then sounds get revealed the the deeper we get into the film. And it's like, this is a character that's so concerned with everything that she's like, her paranoia is just rising to a crescendo as it were. No music puns. Um, (laughs) Wow, that was really good. Really um, slipped that in there. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, it's just it's crazy how yeah, like all the way through we're like, why is she paranoid? Why is she frightened? And then you start thinking, is there validity to these allegations of sexual impropriety or bullying in the workplace or or whatever the accusation is? Um why is she so scared is it because her image is being ruined or is it because they're true we get to decide ourselves and i'm like what <laughs> what is your opinion <laughs> my i don't know i really i don't know yet i think in all honesty i think i'm going to have to watch the film again i was thinking oh that. no what a shame <laughs> oh no three more hours but... of kate blanchett I'd be interested to see like if my opinion does change and who knows maybe we'll do a follow-up episode on this because I really don't know it because I think the I think honestly the first half of the film I thought she is a victim of council culture there's no way she's done this they're tearing her down because she's a woman because she's a queer woman the second half of the film and it was the moment where she lied about being attacked where she falls over and, and cuts herself and that was the moment where when I when I read that back um I was like oh we can't trust her she's lying yeah 
And so I don't know if she did it. But obviously, like, in these situations, in real life, we have to act as though the allegations are true. Of course we do. Um, so, yeah, it's a really complicated one. Do you have Do you have an opinion? I was convinced the whole film that she did it. Um, really? I think okay. Okay. maybe how I felt about it is that there was a sexual relationship and it yeah. didn't yeah yeah, oh, yeah definitely. it didn't end well and then she basically ruined that girl's chance at a career yeah and paid to her as a crazy person um yeah and the reason i think why it's true is also because of her reaction to everything going on like how she mm. takes it in but also francesca her assistant does this yes. whole thing with the emails emails being sent from what was yeah. the what's the name of the girl do you remember Taylor or something? Christ- of Taylor was her last Christa. name. Krista Taylor. Christa. Yeah. So the girl's called Krista Taylor, um, and there's this whole email correspondence between Krista and Lydia, mm. um, and the part that we get to see from it almost seems like Krista is just angry and upset and kind of stalking Lydia. I think that's why I was slow to catch on. Mm. I think that's when I got halfway through, I was like oh we can't trust this woman yeah um but it, it yeah going back and talk you talking about that it makes sense and there was this one particular email that Lydia is reading while um, her assistant is getting her a drink and it literally says I like Krista in the email writes I literally can't find a placement anywhere no one will accept me mm-hmm. and it just shows that yeah her image was ruined and then you would yeah. think it was by Lydia or by Lydia's team or whoever, but her team doesn't seem to know about it. So I assume by Lydia. And Lydia has incredible yeah. influence. And obviously if something like that happened and it didn't end well, she she's too high up in this world. She's too important in this world to let it ruin her career. So she ruined that girl it, instead. Yeah. And that makes total sense to me. And she she, yeah, she mean... seems to live with that guilt. Like there's so many things she does, or like the noises she hears, or the visions she's having, and the dreams she has. Yeah, yeah, the dreams she has. Definitely, she's plagued by this paranoia. And I think, like at the beginning of the film, as I, as I said before, I kind of was like, "What? Like, what's going on? Where is leading to?" And then suddenly, you're like, "Ah," uh. which, again, it's interesting that they. The protagonist then is a queer woman. Do you think, like, why do you think, do you, what am I trying to say? Well, I wrote a question (laughs) down. I was, how does it, um, how does it deal, like, deal with the sexuality thing? Like, how does it, does it, is a bad representation, basically? Like, what do you think? I don't know. That's why it's a question on my notes. Yeah, I'm not sure. So do we think... Lydia like the character of Lydia Tart is bad representation I don't know I don't think so I don't know the answer because I think on the one hand I'm pleased that a queer character is so psychologically complex complex and so well written and is well established with a wife and a child but on the flip side I'm like really you want to make this well-written character a predator but then I'm thinking, does her queerness matter in the story? And is she a predator? Or is the are the allegations yeah. trying to paint her as a predator and piggyback on her sexuality to make her look like a predator? Like, is the film giving That's, a bad yeah. representation? So or is... 
I'll be completely honest with you. My knee-jerk guttural reaction whilst watching the film is, well, they're trying to tear her down because she's a queer woman that's successful. That was my knee-jerk reaction. And I think the film is doing that to, to subvert expectation and to kind of be like to the viewer, well, what do you think? What are you programmed to think? I don't know. That that that's just kind of how I see it at the moment. I think I do need to watch it again because that is a very raw reaction that I've had. I I think I agree but with you. I don't know. Yeah. Like and we don't know if she's actually done it. We assume that she probably has and that she's a terrible person. Um and also we need to believe that we need to believe victims in real life as well as on screen. Um but yeah, I like that the film is trying to throw you off the scent in that sense. But then also I'm incredibly frustrated <laughs> at the same time. Um also, just as a side note, I love how much research and preparation Kate the Queen Blanchett does for her roles. Do we not think that she is just at the top of her game right now, especially with, with this role as Lydia Tell? Oh, wow. The whole film, I was thinking, this must have taken so much. Yeah, because I don't know if she spoke German before. That as well. I forgot about the German. She speaks so much German in this film. Yeah, and um, Joyce, am I, do, you, do you speak I German? Speak am German. I? Okay, okay. <laughs> I wasn't I sure. Wish. <laughs> I wish too. I wasn't sure. Um... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Because I don't really know anyone that speaks German, but there were bits that weren't subtitled. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I wonder if a German speaker watching this would kind of get the same meaning because I think obviously there were bits that we missed unless she repeated it in English but I assume it's a bit different but I understood Um, some of it I mean okay Dutch is pretty similar in some ways but I don't think it was anything yeah I don't know if Kate Blanchett spoke it before so yeah very interesting learning and also obviously she had to learn all about like what about these composers and conducting and and she like, yeah, uh in the credits in the, yeah in the credits for the film she's credited as she conducted she actually conducted the orchestras <gasps> from the film so it's so it's immersive as well <laughs> she got so meta with it <laughs> yeah she complete method acting also yes like she course. actually wow that's conducted. yeah so that is incredible. That must have been exhausting. And also, you know Just what I was her. thinking? 
in that first, the start of the film, there's that interview that lasts like 10 minutes or whatever. It's really long. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, imagine having to learn all these lines and knowing nothing about classical music. It's impossible. Well, that's obviously why she had to kind of immerse herself yeah. in it and, and learn all about it. And she she said that she spent a lot of time doing that. So the way she, it, it just looks so effortless, the way she's talking as if she she knows what she's talking about. Because obviously exactly. she's acting, but she's actually done the preparation. And I love when performers do that. I think, yeah, it's very important. And she's just such a queen. I love her. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah, so, so good. Yeah. Um, What do you... Obviously, we touched on kind of the dreams and the visions and the sounds that Lydia is experiencing throughout the film. But what do you kind of... What's your opinion on the way that um, the film itself blends realism and fantasy visually and and or, or in an audio way on screen um i think the first time that was a vision it was quite jarring for me yeah i wasn't expecting yeah. it it didn't really feel like it flowed from like the previous scene or whatever sure. um it is very jarring it is when, quite when yeah yeah i think the sounds are really good because they are yeah. diegetic but also they are almost like this this like she's going a bit crazy you know mm. it's almost like she's making them up but then they're not because we actually see the source so i think that was incredible yeah um the visions i'm just not quite sure really i think what was shown in them is uh, like very useful in understanding her psychological processes yeah because it's very they're very disjointed visions but Obviously, she's in turmoil. So when she regains consciousness, she's very thrown off the whole time. And there's, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Memoria, the film that Tilda Swinton is in, in the way that the soundscape slowly comes together and sounds don't make sense at first. Because in in that film, Memoria, um, the protagonist, she can hear a sound like a sudden thud sound and she she doesn't know where it comes from and she spends the whole film trying to work it out so it kind of it's a great film i would really recommend it um it's great it's slow cinema as well jai jonker is one of the producers you know the guy who did platform um so it's very slow building and it kind of reminded me of of this film tar in the same way as that we have to guess where the sounds are coming from and then they're revealed and the way they're revealed is very jarring. Um, like with her neighbour, we're, we're like, what is that sound? And then there's moments with ne- with the, her next door neighbour in her apartment where it's like, what does this mean? It's very jarring and unsettling um, for her and for us. Yeah, but lots of unsettling stuff. Very, very yeah. true. Very, and very crazy. You brought this up a bit earlier, but some scenes were actually like scary like yeah where i was on the edge of I'm, my seat and like oh my god yeah there was this moment near the beginning when she walks into her small apartment because she has her family apartment but then she has a small apartment that was her first apartment in berlin that she can't let go of but there's a moment where she's walking to another room and we can see this figure in between the doorway did you see that no but it was i think it's supposed to be krista because we never see krista's face fully she's like this scary entity but it was very horror film esque where she walks i would if you see it again i would go back because 
I swear that there's because at first I was like, is that her reflection or is someone in the apartment? But she can hear this voice. But I like there's this gap and she's like stood in the gap like watching her. And I was like, is this a horror film? Am I about to sh- myself on my own? Wow. Like, oh my um, nobody prepared me for this. Um, but no, it's just it's just chilling. It's just really really jarring. Um, yeah you're really in Lydia's head which Mm. again is why you're kind of thinking is this reliable narration right now are we to trust what she's seeing and what she's thinking um spicy (laughs) um what did you think of so we were kind of talking about how she taught at Juilliard there's a whole scene at the Juilliard class where she ridicules um this student Max um, and they identify themselves as BIPOC pangender. And they don't like white composers like Bach because Tar says, do you like Bach? And they say, well, no. Um, and Lydia basically encourages... She She's trying to be encouraging and, and be like, you need to look past these superficial differences and focus on the music. It's all about the music. It's not about the identity politics or whatever. And and Max storms out of the class. Um, what did you think about that scene? Because, yeah. Um, it's very near the start of the film yeah. as well. I think um, I agree with her on quite a lot of things she said. Um, yeah. mostly you know she's kind of criticizing that cancel culture and that like mm. really yeah basically that like that social media um thing that we're all doing about this is right this is wrong yeah and she's she's criticizing that and then she's also kind of talking about you know separating the art and the artist and the thing is I find that myself a really difficult discussion because I don't know where I stand on it I think I've always had a hard time separating it especially in cinema like because that's what I've studied and all that and I've you know there's a lot of directors that I don't just want to watch so I don't but then if you think about it there is some value to separating art from the artist I get that but I with Lydia in this situation it's especially it's it's very different from like cinema let's say because these composers that was like centuries ago and people were just different then yeah it's really hard to compare current politics and identity politics with something from like centuries ago and in that case when it's like history like that where it's so far removed I agree on what she's saying mostly Uh, but then again I don't have like a very I don't have a black and white like look at it no it's it's very gray area and the way she handled it in that scene, I wouldn't say that was great, particularly. No, um, no. Especially when you have someone actually being brave enough to express these feelings about their identity. And you can tell how anxious they are as well, because their leg is mm. um, continually... Shaking. Shaking. And at one point, Lydia puts her hand on their leg to stop it. Yeah. And she does that a couple of times throughout, like... It, there's a couple of characters that have nervous tics. So Max with their leg shaking and then um, what's his name? Sebastian with his pen clicking. Is it Sebastian? The one that she, the character... Yes, it is Sebastian um, as part of the orchestra. Um, 
she grabs the pen or she puts the pen in her pocket so he can't be tempted to do it it's, it's very it's very jarring she's like so controlling and so she has no patience but yeah I don't know how I where I stand even with I know that I find it difficult to separate the art from the artist I think an example in that I can think of off the top of my head is JK Rowling because as a person I think she's terrible (laughs) the things that she said about the trans community and, and all of all of that but then you look at Harry Potter and you're like, that's done so much, especially for the queer community as well. They really seek solace in, in, in her world that she's created. So I think at the time I found, now I'm indifferent, but at the time I found that really hard. Yeah. So I, agree. I think the debate is interesting, but I don't personally know where I stand on it. Yeah, same. I agree. It's very, very hard. For I mean, for me, it's like, let's say Roman Polanski. Oh, yes, um, gross. Like Woody Allen, you know? Yeah. And then Hitchcock, even. Oh, uh, Stanley Kubrick. No, any, any director from like the. Like, honestly. And it's like, maybe kind of the difference is if, it, if something new comes out now, yeah. maybe that's not something easily accessible. But things from the past that are already made and have already been done, mm-hmm. maybe that's a bit easier to digest yeah i don't know i guess if they're products of their time i think cinema is a bit different in that because obviously it's a lot more contemporary than music like the music that they're talking about like bach and beethoven and all that jazz um but also lydia tar is a white privileged cis lesbian so (laughs) to an extent Obviously, she's had to work very hard. She didn't come from privileged means. She's had to work very hard to be in her position. But it's all fair and well her saying all of these things. But she's speaking to um, a pan-gender person of colour. So, in that sense, I'm like, you maybe want to be more empathetic. That's it, empathy. It's a tricky one, yeah. Because yeah. even There's, even she doesn't have any. That's empathy. it. That's it. Even yeah. if that's her opinion, the way she went about it, <laughs> Lydia, come on. She needs to at least be like, I understand your position. I think from this perspective, blah blah blah. Yeah. But the way she addressed it, I was like, ah! I know, not good. And then obviously later in the film, she discovers that someone was secretly recording her in class, and the footage is edited to make her sound like. Way worse. Fascist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not great. Um, and that's interesting as well about I, I think there's a lot of contemporary films and TV shows at the minute that like talk about the issues of deep fake and editing footage and um not portraying someone as they like the chair, that show The Chair, where it basically one of the characters in that show his footage of him is edited to make it look like he's a Nazi or a fascist. And council culture is very prevalent in that. So that was interesting. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. The the whole, one of the biggest like parts of the storyline, um, her like crush slash slight obsession with one of the new members of the orchestra that became yes. a new member just because Lydia felt some initial attraction to her. Yes. Now, so that's the, you're talking about the Russian cellist, yep. Olga, played by... 
Um, she, I think she's dual nationality, English, German. Sophie, uh, I'm sorry if I pronounced the surname wrong. Sophie Kauer. Um, she is a cellist in real life. Very successful one. This was her first film. And I can't verify this, but I think she grew up in my hometown, according to a couple of news articles. So I was what? like, represent! Represent my hometown, baby! <laughs> so that was fun. Um, but yes, yeah, she's a very successful cellist. Um, happy days. But yes, talk to me about your... Imp- talk, talk, do a summary of what happened and talk to me about your thoughts, please. Well, what struck me at first when it all initially starts is that... Um, and and then also knowing well the the thing the Krista Taylor story, kind of yes. how um, Lydia seems to really um, gravitate. That that was so hard to find that word. Lydia seems to like really gravitate towards these younger women that are mm-hmm. in the same field as her, and it kind of gives give me the sense at least that there's this really. <clears throat> apparent struggle within Lydia about maybe her own youth and how she gave everything in her life to build that career to get to the place she is and that she's kind of looking for that freedom and that uh, being young and a bit crazy in these girls because Olga is very like free and like she's you know how to describe it she doesn't have that etiquette and that like care about how she portrays herself the way Lydia does and I think like it seems that Lydia really um gravitates towards that so that's really interesting yeah because no wonder she's no wonder she's captivated by her because she's never been in a position to be so confident in her own self-image like she's constantly crafting herself so for someone to just be like this is who I am take it or leave it it's like oh yeah. Like I, I think the viewer is made to feel uncomfortable by that. Yeah. But Lydia's looking at her like so transfixed, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So. But I don't know what to make of all of that because I think if I don't like saying this, but I think if Lydia were a male character, I'd be like, damn. That is creepy. That is perverse. You're obviously just putting her in the show and giving her a solo and opening it up for auditions because you fancy her. I but because it's the woman, with her. Like, no. Well, I thought I thought it was creepy, but it sits different. And I don't know if they're like they're trying to throw you off the scent because it's a woman. But I was very much like, Ugh. oh, I know. It was very uncomfortable. Many. Times. Yeah, I was like, I, I just couldn't. I think what I'm trying to say is that I couldn't place the film's intention with it straight away mm. and that threw me off but I was like no this is creepy this is this is she's like preying on Olga and like even though she's not we're not watching her do anything inappropriate the whole thing is inappropriate yeah and especially this that scene uh when they rehearse and then she yeah. decides on the piece the side accompanying piece and she's like, there's going to be a cello solo. And the head cellist or whatever, I don't know what they're called. I don't know anything about classical music. The, the yeah, that who's supposed to do the solo or who, yeah, always does it. Um, 
Lydia kind of tells her, like, okay, um, I'm going to open it up for auditions auditions, because you're obviously busy enough with this piece already. And everyone's kind of shocked. Everyone's like, what? This is so out of place. This doesn't happen. Yeah. And her wife is sitting there because Lydia makes eye contact with Olga. And her wife is sitting there just looking back and forth at them, like to, from Olga to Lydia and kind of having this little... And it, it's it's really uncomfortable. Like... I agree because everyone as well like the looks between everyone in the orchestra is very interesting um but then there's one moment where the head cellist or the first cellist or whatever I'm not sure what they're called but Sharon Lydia's wife is the first violinist um who everyone like their head cellist kind of looks at Sharon to be like what what the hell is going on and Sharon has to look back and be like you're I'm as clueless as you I don't know what she's doing and it's that sense of she is so in control of all of them and they are just like deer in the headlights like what do we like what do we do and it yeah it's very overwhelming but then you get the sense as well that Olga is very much like yes I do want to climb to the top I am going to do whatever it takes to get there it's interesting to see how Olga's perspective changes because in the start she's really relishing in this attention she's getting from is that a word yeah she's relishing in the attention the attention she's getting from Lydia and then at the end after the allegations have come out she's really distancing herself so Olga goes to with her to promote her book or um she goes somewhere with her and it's it's implied that basically Francesca who has left her position as Lydia's assistant has shared these emails um and she's basically fired from the foundation. And she basically is like, oh, let's go to dinner. And Olga says, no, like, I'm just going to bed. But then it's revealed that she sneaks out to go out to dinner herself. So she doesn't want to be seen with her yeah. um, at dinner or in, in public at all. And that's very interesting. Yeah. We also... Um, also when Lydia is doing her book reading Olga's in the back on her phone saying like really bad stuff about her yeah 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 so her opinion is uh, like uh, at least the opinion she wants people to know has like changed a lot yeah definitely definitely Um, so then obviously as a result of these allegations and being removed from the Kaplan Foundation Lydia is removed as conductor in Berlin of the Philharmonic um and then, as a result, Sharon breaks up with her, basically. She bans her from seeing their daughter. Um, but I think that's interesting as well, because Sharon's not angry at the allegations, but more so Lydia not communicating with her properly. The trust is gone. And that was interesting. Um and then Lydia basically grows increasingly deranged to the point of the climax of the moment where she sneaks into the live recording of her original show and attacks the new conductor, Elliot, um, who's played by Mark Strong, right? Um, and this is this what did you think of that scene because i literally i gasped i i, I literally did the whole 
<laughs> hand over my mouth. I literally, and I was literally had my hands over my mouth, like like I was watching it in real life. Like the drama, the drama. It was so melodramatic. That's what this film does really well is the melodrama. I think there's been mixed reviews about it, but I loved it. Yeah, and she like completely. But I feel like she commits to losing it. It's not even like she just yeah. lost it in a moment. It's like she commits to it. Like I'm gonna lose it, and and it's also I think that thing of. I don't know if her wife is the one that gave it or Francesca, but her version of the piece they're playing, the one that she noted, like all her notations are on it, is gone. So basically yeah. this new guy that's conducting has her notation of the piece and is yeah, conducting that. Yeah, they all conspired against, yeah. conspired against her to do it. And I think that's her Crazy. breaking point. Like I, no one else can conduct this. This is my piece. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I was shocked. I did not expect that. I know. I was. Yeah, it was insane. Absolutely insane. And obviously, it's been building to that crescendo. (laughs) But then, (laughs) in that moment, in front of an audience, her career is ruined. Yeah. Completely shattered. And she ruins it herself. Yeah. Um, So. Obviously, the end of the film, she returns to her working class. This is how it's so described in the plot summary that I'm reading. She returns to her working class childhood home on Saturn Island, where it's revealed that her birth name is Linda Tarr. Not Lydia, Linda. And that's when we realise this is what this film's been about. She's been so obsessed with controlling her own image. She's invented her persona. Yeah. And her brother basically accused her accuses her of um forgetting her roots yeah and that she just on the stairs in this small home where she grew up she just looks so small and so vulnerable yeah and then cut two she finds work as a conductor in the philippines what did you think of this whole bit in the philippines because i was like what is happening (laughs) me too i was very confused about it i was like uh, I was like, where are we going? Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to show that transition from like highbrow yeah. Lydia to lowbrow yeah. <laughs> well, entertainment. Because when we see the actual piece that she's conducting, it's very, it looks very fun. I'm not going to lie. Yes. So it's for the video game series Monster Hunter. And in all of in the audience they're all cosplayers they're all dressed up as characters assuming from the game and she's yeah she's still conducting but it's a whole other world and i i think what it's trying to show look how far she's fallen but i don't know it's interesting Yeah. yeah but also in as well this bit i was very confused by i'll 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 explain this pop point and then I want to know what you think because I was very disturbed. But she basically, she wants a massage. So she asks the hotel concierge, where can I get a massage? He recommends this place. And she's sent to this high-end, <laughs> high-end brothel where she's directed to select a woman. And they're all very young girls. They're all very young guy- girls. Also, they're sat like they're in an orchestra and the woman that looks up and looks into her eyes is where Olga 
was sat in the orchestra. And then it cuts to Lydia going outside and being sick. She vomits outside. And then it cuts to her job now. And then that's the end of the film. I'm mind blown. I did not get that orchestra thing. Well, I've looked it up, obviously, since coming home a few hours ago. But I did think it's like she's conducting an orchestra. She's choosing the woman she wants. Wow. But then I, I was like... I was very confused because I was like, has she been sent here by accident? Did she want to come here? Is she disgusted with what she's done or did she do nothing? And again, we're supposed to make up our own mind, but I was like, what? I I don't understand this scene. Is it just meant to show that she is predatory? Huh. Wow. But I don't know. There's a lot. I have a lot of questions know. about this film. I don't know because the it's it's it cuts to her throwing up outside. So it could also show the complete opposite. But that's what you just said. It's so ambiguous. We don't even know what happened inside. We don't know if she well, went through with yeah. it. My reaction is that she's disgusted, but I don't know if it's with the situation or with herself. And I can't stop thinking about it. There's there's so many options. Disgusted with we, the situation with herself, or she did it. Honestly. She actually went through with it. And then was discussing with herself. We need to do a follow up episode. Like uh, we to need this. to rewatch this. I, we need to rewatch it and then record this episode again and like try and make sense of our thoughts because I feel like this is such a snapshot in time. We need yeah. to go back and analyze it again. So, audience, if you want to see that, let us know. <laughs> um, but Joyce, do you? Ha- I mean, how do we sum up this film? Do you have any final thoughts? Is there anything else that you want to talk about about Lydia Tarr and this film? Well, I just want to complex film. <laughs> yeah, very complex. I just want to mm. say, I just want to put it out there that I think that Kate Blanchett is incredibly hot in this film, and I swooned over her in a cinema, and <laughs> I um, me too. God, what a woman! And doesn't recognize that's the thoughts. thing again we have to separate <laughs> again we have to separate the character from the actress because i love kate blanchett so much this character is not likable but yet i still watch her and i weep inside about how fantastic <laughs> she is and how suave she is and how is she not gay oh my god honestly how many gay characters does she play now like at least two two three yes but Ocean's Eight, up for debate. That's what. That's why I. That's why I said maybe three because maybe Ocean's three. Eight is a question mark in my mind. There's and... Carol. There's Tar. There's maybe Ocean's Eight. All I do know is that I want Kate Blanchett to be in more queer roles in the future, please. Yeah. Even though she's, she's not queer. Like I don't care. I think she's fantastic. Do you think she will win the Oscar for this film? Well, who else is up against her? Well, I think Michelle Yeoh is up against her and I'm sorry, but Everything Everywhere All at Once is my winner for the awards this year. It's such a good film. I want Michelle Yeoh to win it, to be honest. I don't think when we're recording this, nominations have been confirmed, but I feel like, for me, it will be a toss-up between Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh and I do want Michelle Yeoh to win. She won the Golden Globe. Yeah, was Kate nominated... I couldn't find out. I'm checking right now. Best Actress Drama. No! Kate Blanchett won Best Actress at the Golden Globes for Tar. She won? 
I she thought won. Michelle no, Yeoh won. Michelle Yeoh, I think she won something else. Yeah, she won Best Actress Musical or Comedy. Kate Blanchett won uh, it for Drama. I see. I didn't. Sorry, I'm stupid. Yeah, no, but there's no distinction was... in the in the Oscars. So. Okay. Okay. So they both won. So the well done, Kate Blanchett, for the Golden Globe. <laughs> Well done, Queenie. Um, so they both won awards at the Golden Globes, but it'll be interesting to see who wins for the Academy Award. Yeah. But Kate Blanchett has won twice already. She won um, for The Aviator, Best Supporting Actress, and Blue Jasmine, Best Actress. I literally haven't seen either of those. Neither have I. <laughs> no. But she was nominated okay. for Carol, so... She was. That's why I got confused. She has been nominated for Carol. But anyway, any final thoughts other than Kate Blanchett is the lesbian character queen? Um, it's not even gay. <laughs> no, I I thought it was really good. Um, it surprised me in a lot of ways. I didn't know it was going to be so mm-hmm. psychological, but it's very interesting. And I agree with yeah. you that a second watch is needed to really cement some opinions maybe change some opinions um i could have summarized that better yeah honestly psychological need to watch it again maybe we will do a follow-up episode on gay actually yeah this in a few months once we've digested and marinated on that after the or maybe we won't or like if it wins if someone wins we'll see yeah we'll see we'll leave it up to faith (laughs) absolutely um on that note, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gay Actually. Um, I feel like we have just thrown a curveball with this episode. We've abandoned the traditional format. But neither of us have seen anything really that gay recently. Do you have a character or anyone that you want to shout out um, in terms of being gay? Like, what have I even seen? Joyce is looking at the wall like <laughs> she hates me. Um no. We uh, haven't co-hosted a podcast for nearly a year or anything. <laughs> okay. This remote recording is throwing me off, obviously. I know, me too. I'm so sorry. No. Uh no, I don't I don't really I th- no. <laughs> okay, I have one. I wanna shout out um Noah Shap from Stranger Things, who recently came out as gay. Love you, King. Love we that. Support you. This is a safe space for you to be yourself. And you are incredible. And I hope to see more of Will being gay in Series 5 of Stranger Things. This has to be it now. Will has to be yeah. gay. I mean... Let's make it canon. Let's make it happen. Please. Oh, that's gay. such a good show. I'm so excited. Me too. Me too. I love Stranger Things. Mm. Um, amazing. Yeah. yeah, we'll shout out Noah Sharp and then maybe we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah. But thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, I have to do a couple of admin things. Um, if you're listening on Spotify or any other platform, please be sure to leave us a review um, or a rating. Let us know how we did. It's okay. We've got a tough skin. It's sure. fine. <laughs> um, also, um, we now have an Instagram for our podcast. It's gay underscore actually. Be sure to follow us over there on Instagram. Um we will include a link somewhere so you can um, listen or you can follow UK Film Review on this podcast or ukfilmreview.co.uk or UKFreview on Twitter. Also, if you have an idea for an episode or if you want us to shout anyone out, 
or discuss a certain theme or film or TV series, let us know at let me remember the email address <laughs> gayactuallyuk at gmail.com. I love it. I'm- I'm a podcasting queen. Oh my god, please I'm send us emails. Queen. Oh my god, please send us emails. Please send us emails because okay. we are thinking of expanding the podcast a little bit to talk a bit more about films, TV series, internet culture and more. If you want to see it, let us know. Send us an email, drop us an Instagram DM. We're taking requests. You heard it here first. Yes. Joyce, do you have anything else to add, my lovely co-host? Well, Amber, it's been an absolute pleasure doing this podcast with you, and I'm excited for this new year, this new season. I'm excited. Gay, actually, we have some good plans for this year. I'm very excited to have you all on this journey with us as we try our best to to podcast. I'm being called. Hold on. Let me hang up. (laughs) Because I can hear the sound. I don't know if you can hear it. Oh, okay, it's gone. Sorry, sorry. Go on. <laughs> that was it. How is Stella the cat? People have oh, been asking. She's, she's literally hasn't changed. She's a bit bigger. She's still, she's very affectionate when she wants to be, but she yeah. is an evil little monster when she wants to be too. And when she's evil, there's just no escaping it. My nickname for her is still Princess Demon because I think she's so sweet until she likes to commit atrocities. Yeah. But yeah, I can't wait to see her. Mm. Um, yes, maybe there'll be some pictures floating around on our new Instagram. <gasps> Who knows? You'll have to wait and see. Yes. Follow us. <laughs> I'm not thirsty for likes or attention <laughs> at all. It's okay. This is your influencer era. <laughs> My influencer era 2023, manifesting good things. Networking. Mm-hmm. Um, let us do this. Um, watch this space. Thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.